as Schumer said, the weaponization of the rules, once meant to short circuit obstruction, have been hijacked to guarantee obstruction. Welcome to The Shrinks on Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. And I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. Welcome in. We've heard a lot about the filibuster recently. Lately, there's been increased pressure from Democrats to abolish the filibuster, or at least to change the rules in order to pass voting rights legislation. Today, we're going to try to understand what is going on. And by that, I mean, what is going on with the filibuster? Like, what is the filibuster? Right. So first of all, in order to pass any legislation, the Senate is required to follow certain steps. When a bill or resolution is brought to the Senate floor, any senator can basically block it from getting a vote by speaking for as long as they want to in order to delay a vote to end debate on a bill. That is so strange that that works like that. Yeah. And that is filibustering. They talk and delay for as long as possible, hoping to block a final vote on an issue. So it's a tactic used in the United States Senate to block or delay action. That's what a filibuster is. A senator using the filibuster tactic can talk endlessly by debating the issue or, and this is truly weird, he or she can use basically any speech to prevent forward movement. As if they need any more tactics to stall things. I guess they do. Senators have done everything from reading Shakespeare to reciting the Constitution in order to block progress on the Senate floor. How ironic that they're going to recite the Constitution to block progress. It doesn't even matter what they recite. They've recited recipes. They've read the phone book. They've talked on and on for hours and hours. The record for the longest filibuster was by Senator Strom Thurmond of South Carolina, who spoke nonstop for 24 hours and 18 minutes against the Civil Rights Act of 1957. I remember Strom Thurmond when he was really old. He was pretty terrible. So when the Senate and the House of Representatives first convened, they used the majority vote to end a debate. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? The House kept that rule, but the Senate dropped it in 1806 and they did not replace it which created this opening for the filibuster. Right, though the first filibuster occurred 30 years later, but it was still rarely used. The Senate still mostly operated by majority rule as issues were brought to vote, but by the late 70s and very early 80s during the Carter years, there were up to 20 filibusters a year. Wow. I guess, Cindy, that's a reflection of the lack of a clear majority during those years. The Senate can vote to end debate on a bill or issue with a three-fifths majority. And because we have 100 senators, that, of course, means 60 votes. So any bill that has the support of at least 60 senators has the backing to avoid the filibuster and to get to a final vote. Yeah, true, Julie. Most controversial legislation is passed along party lines. And it's rare for parties to have 60 senators. 
So right now, for example, Democrats only have 50. So they would all have to be 100% in agreement, plus get 10 senators from another party on board. And that definitely does not seem to be happening. Some of the filibustering has been so ridiculous and ridiculously long that at this point, senators, all they have to do is threaten to use it and the bill will be halted. (laughs) No one wants to hear all that. No. There is a way to stop a filibuster. Of course, some other, you know, thing, which is called cloture. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Cloture. And basically. It could be called cloture. I don't know. Cloture. You know what? I want to look up how it's pronounced so that we we say it right. Just okay. give me- or we could have our conversation about how to say it. People can <laughs> laugh at us because whatever. Cloture. Oh, see, I knew what I was doing. Cloture. Can pretty we- much filibustering having cloture. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, cloture ends the debate. But in order to get cloture, a vote by three fifths of the Senate, which again is currently 60, is needed. Also, cloture doesn't actually end the debate right away. It just puts a 30-hour time limit on it. And then a vote can happen. So you can still read the phone book. 30 hours is a long time. Cloture, which was adopted as a rule in 1917, used to require a two-thirds majority vote. But due to the difficulty of actually getting a two-thirds vote, the Senate changed the rules in 1975 and reduced the number of votes to three-fifths, which is now, like you said, Cindy, 60. Still, Nearly impossible to do lately. Right. Which is why one of the things they're trying to do is lower the numbers again. Because when cloture doesn't have enough votes to be passed, the bill or the other measure that they're debating stays in filibuster limbo because it can go on and on forever. And the Senate works on other issues instead in the interest of at least trying to get something done. Yeah, I, I don't know how much they actually do get done, though. They don't get anything done. Earlier this year... Senate Republicans were able to block Democrats from moving forward on voting rights legislation, unfortunately, since it's so popular among the population, but not in Senate. Democrats needed 50 votes to change the Senate rules to move forward, and they couldn't get 50 votes. The voting rights legislation includes various proposals to expand access to voting. Some of the 2022 proposals include making Election Day a national holiday, creating standards for voter ID and allowing no excuse absentee voting around the country. It would create a baseline for early voting at least 15 days before election day and establish same day voter registration. And, you know, all of these things already exist in some states, but there are quite a few in which it's really challenging to vote. And most importantly, This legislation would also reinstate an important requirement of the Voting Rights Act for states with a history of racial discrimination in voting to get approval from the Justice Department before they can change election policies. This section of the law was struck down by the Supreme Court in 2013, and the current bill eagerly wants to get it back in the books, especially because a large number of states are changing their election policies and basically making it much harder for people to vote. Yeah. So knowing that plans to filibuster this legislation were happening, talk about abolishing or changing the filibuster rules got louder. The change being proposed would have implemented what they call a talking filibuster, and it would apply just to the voting rights legislation. Only that. It would make an exception of voter rights legislation and require true debate. Wow. Imagine that rather than nonsensical time-wasting stuff. If this had passed, 
the current voters' rights legislation would have required only a 51 vote majority rather than the usual 60 after senators took their opportunities to speak to filibuster the bill. And I think they were hoping to do that, which is why Vice President Kamala Harris was present because she could be the 51st vote. Didn't happen. Anyway, any change to the filibuster rules apparently drives people crazy. Removing or drastically amending the filibuster, usually invoked along party lines, is referred to as the nuclear option because it's it's considered a move that will just blow up some of the basic structure of the Senate at its core. As Schumer said, the weaponization of the rules, once meant to short circuit obstruction, have been hijacked to guarantee obstruction. To make any changes to the filibuster, the Dems would have needed all 50 Democratic senators on board and a couple opposed big changes. There are a few Democrats and many Republicans who still want to keep the filibuster as it is. They believe it's important to force bipartisan negotiation and cooperation and was designed to do so. They also claim it's a Senate tradition and think that changing it would ruin the Senate. As it still stands, 60 votes were required just to hold a vote on the legislation. This allowed a minority of extremists to block progress on yet another basic freedom, free and fair elections. And of course, this opens the door for even stronger attempts to harmfully influence upcoming elections. The GOP has already tried to advance hundreds of voter suppression bills. Over a third of the states have successfully already passed laws making it harder to vote, especially for people of color, low-income voters, and young people. Democrats control Washington by such a slim margin, and so they have very rare openings to pass legislation with only Democratic votes. Along with voter rights, another area they could have the opportunity to move forward with is the U.S. social safety net, which is made up of various programs that protect low-income folks with food, formula, school lunches, childcare, and healthcare, as a few examples. These programs have been shown to lower inequality and reduce the poverty gap by as much as 45%, which makes you wonder why everyone wouldn't be all for them. Right. But the filibuster is used as a big weapon to block such programs and measures. This is one reason the filibuster is protected so heavily. Some say it protects free speech and preserves the rights of the minority. They're mostly talking about the minority party in the Senate, not actual minority groups of Americans who are marginalized and remain unprotected. Filibusters also waste time and keep the Senate at a standstill. Approval or disapproval of the filibuster has often depended on the party in power and the legislation in question. Senators have never actually invoked the nuclear option to end the filibuster completely, which could have huge consequences for keeping the majority in check. But modifications seem really important and kind of inevitable if we are going to keep trying to improve our really, really imperfect union. There have been some changes in the filibuster, but they've not been well managed and have, of course, been divisively partisan. For example, the filibuster used to be able to be used for judicial nominations, federal and Supreme Court justices. In 2013, Democrats voted to eliminate the filibuster just for judicial nominations, except for Supreme Court justices, because at the time, Republicans were holding up dozens of Obama administration nominations that needed Senate confirmation to proceed. And of course, they blocked consideration of his Supreme Court nominee, Merrick Garland. 
So they did away with that piece of the filibuster and this ended with Republicans retaliating when they won in 2016 by eliminating the filibuster for Supreme Court justices. And this set up then Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, our Republican representative from Kentucky, to confirm hundreds of federal judges during the Trump years without needing 60 votes and to put three conservative justices on the court. Yeah, it's complicated because in that case, Cindy, eliminating the filibuster was not good for the Democrats. Currently, though, many Democrats want to change the filibuster because their current numbers might be offering a limited time opportunity for them to pass the legislation that they want before the 2022 midterm elections. The party in power traditionally experiences losses in Congress during midterms. If Democrats lose either the House or the Senate in the 2022 midterms, and it's very possible that they will, passing further legislation in the near future is not going to happen. Yeah, it is complicated because at any point it changes. It's it's not going to be good for the next, you know, the next people who want to filibuster something. Right. So it does give a minority of people more power. We still have to use every tool available to pass new laws now when there's a chance. Democrats have the majority and the power to do it. And it's a lot harder to undo legislation once it's already in place, although it's doable especially because we we know we can't expect much, if any, bipartisan cooperation or even real negotiations on major bills. Partisan maneuvering has become the norm, and it's hard to find common ground on the issues we're facing right now. We'd love to expect that our elected officials will work on uniting the country, putting politics and party aside, but we really haven't seen much of that in reality. That's true. (laughs) As the slim majority, Democrats can make changes to the social safety net and climate change measures, but they end up bypassing other important issues, sometimes literally giving up people like dreamers, for example, in order to pass a bigger bill. Yes, there are occasionally a few rogue Republicans who vote for a bill that Democrats initiate. For example, some actually voted for the infrastructure bill to update old bridges and roads. Can you believe they went for such a crazy idea? (laughs) But to get bipartisan support, it usually takes a lot of negotiation and adding things and taking out things that sometimes are very destructive, but done in the name of compromise. And sometimes even that isn't enough. Republicans successfully blocked positive movement on voting rights and police reform, which are super important current issues that leave us kind of abandoned. There doesn't seem to be any real evidence that the filibuster fosters bipartisanship. And like I said before, those issues and many others are really, really popular among a majority of voters. But that doesn't seem to matter to those people in the Senate who are blocking them. And if Republicans gain back power, having no option at all for filibuster without a good alternative could have a really strong negative effect on things that are near and dear to us, such as things like reproductive rights and health care. Yeah, Julie, we've already seen how certain people, and there are a lot of them, act against public opinion and the interest of others to gain their own greedy interests. Nobody wants them to have more ways to hurt people. Looks like a lot of these people aren't afraid to hurt others and the core of our country to make sure they get what they want. As we've seen, many of them are willing to resort to violence to cling to their own power. Yeah, I find that really scary where we are now with that. Yeah. And Mitch McConnell, not to name names, while not threatening violence, has made threats to make things as absolutely 
impossibly difficult as possible. And we've seen that he actually carries that out. He's good at it. He's threatened to bring the Senate to a complete standstill if the filibuster gets done away with, even if it harms progress for Americans or even directly harms people. In fact, none of this would be a problem if the senators change their behavior and work together like grown-ups, but they don't seem interested in working together to change things for the common good. Seems that rather than differing points of view, so many people see it as two opposing teams and one has to win. The country often loses with this point of view. People like McConnell use any tool at their disposal to make progress hard, so they're going to be doing this anyway. The Senate is already bogged down by people doing everything they can to halt positive social change. I know, it's so weird. I mean, it's not weird in this country, not based on all the podcasts we've done and all the (laughs) things we've learned, but... It's still weird every day. It still shocks me. (laughs) Senators are leery of getting rid of the filibuster altogether for the reasons we've just gone through. But there are some changes that could be made to it without getting rid of it completely. For example, changing the rules for certain legislation, like voting rights, it's an option that's short of the full nuclear option with seemingly fewer consequences, but there aren't enough votes for this either. Also, if it did get passed, who knows what the retaliation would be? Though that's not a reason not to do it, since they retaliate and do a lot of negative things anyway. Yeah, it seems like that's all they do. Another potential change could be to have those opposing a bill to actually explain their position rather than standing to recite nonsense just to block it. I'm not sure how this morphed into what we have now, but this is the way the Senate used to run at some point. They would actually debate things. Yeah, but I was thinking, Julie, maybe it morphed this way because as we've seen in some of the hearings, a lot of our elected officials literally do not even listen to reason or to the well-reasoned arguments of their colleagues. They make up their mind and they don't listen to anything else. I mean, you could see they're sleeping, they're on their phones, they leave the room. Yeah, they're not even in the room. The room's empty when somebody is saying important things. Yeah. It's so rude. (laughs) That's why it doesn't matter if you're reciting Shakespeare instead. You might as well. Yes, that's true. Gosh, what kind of role model is this? This is so horrible. (laughs) What kind of example to others about how to interact and live together? It just, it makes me so upset. And we judge other countries for how they handle things. True. Another change that some would like to see is lowering the number of votes needed to move forward on a bill to 51 or even 55 instead of 60. The number of votes needed has changed in the past, so it's not like it's never been done before. Well, right now, we can't even get to 50. (laughs) Even if we moved it to 51, we would still not get anywhere. Regardless, we all have to continue to do what's necessary to protect basic rights and move our society forward to protect and care for all of our citizens even when our elected officials don't seem to be able to do it. Yeah. Hopefully at least it helps to understand some of what's going on and maybe get involved in some way. Hopefully. Yeah. Thanks for listening. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at shrinksonthird. Till next time. Take care. 